Welcome to Into Security, Info Security Magazine's podcast. Hello, welcome to Into Security, the Info Security Magazine podcast. I'm Dan Ray, with Deputy Editor. And Michael Hill here, Editor as well. Thank you very much for joining us for this, our latest episode of our podcast series. Uh, so a big thank you, first of all, goes out to the Trusted Computing Group for their sponsorship of this episode. Uh, so formed in 1999, the Trusted Computing Group has published over 100 specifications for advancing cybersecurity best practices and standards and created 25 certified trusted platform modules, which have been deployed worldwide to protect against the cyber attacks of today and beyond. So yeah, huge thank you to the Trusted Computing Group for the sponsorship of this episode. And as well, a very special episode that we are bringing to you as we have a guest joining us today. So we have joining us Rob Spiger, who is chair of the Trusted Computing Group's Cyber Residency Work Group. So Rob, a big welcome to you joining us on our podcast series. Thank you so much, Dan and Michael. This is a pleasure. Fantastic. Delighted to have you here with us. You know, it's not it's not too often that we do get guest speakers to come on and join us for our podcast episode. So delighted to have you here today today and to learn more about the work that you've been doing and about the Trusted Computing Group in general. So to kick us off then, Rob, obviously, as I mentioned, you are one of the chairs of the Trusted Computing Group's Cyber Resiliency Work Group. Can you start with give us a, a quick brief overview of what the work that the group does? TCG's Cyber Resilient Technologies Work Group's goal is to look at resiliency and think about how existing technologies TCG has defined can be used in the application for resilience. Uh, kind of three primary elements of that are protecting devices or subcomponents of devices, being able to detect if they've been compromised, or if they're patched with the latest fixes that a manufacturer might have available. And then finally, if there is something that has compromised those devices, to be able to recover them into a state that's trusted again so they can be uh, used by users again with confidence. Yeah, thanks, Rob. When it comes to cybersecurity and the protection of devices, what kind of approaches are you seeing from companies at the moment and how high on their radar is security? I think security continues to grow in importance for companies. I think there's an acknowledgement that even though you might have done a security development lifecycle and the development and have defaults that are secure by default at the beginning when a product ships, there's still a risk that even though you might have done the best software you could using the best practices in the industry when a product first releases, new attack techniques will be discovered that will require patches from the manufacturer to be able to keep those devices secure over their product lifecycle. So companies have really acknowledged that and started to realize that you know they have to build that in into how they manufacture, produce, and service devices over their lifetime. Uh, How they can do that is something that is a little bit varied in the industry. There's a lot of different ways to do protection and uh, be able to recover devices. Uh, I think what we wanted to do, though, is try to identify what are some common things in those solutions, how can they be simpler, and how can we help platforms provide those capabilities that manufacturers need to do recovery uh, after they've done you know detection of something that's wrong and there's a lot of techniques the trusted computer group has had over time to evaluate whether you trust the device or not and to be able to identify problems and this really is the next step in terms of once those problems are found how do you do remediation to recover them uh, with techniques that that can be uh, broadly adopted in the industry 
Thanks, Rob. Next question I've got for you relates to uh, TCG's Cyber Resiliency Workgroup's new specification that it's been working on. Obviously, a really interesting issue here with, with regards to specifications and standards and, and things of, of that ilk. Can you share, first of all, just a bit about what that specification is that obviously the group has been working on? Absolutely. The work group looked at resilience and those kind of three things around better protection, detection, and recovery. And what we did was we carved out a really narrow slice in this complex area and looked at how to do recovery with a couple of fundamental pieces. That's what the current specification that just entered public review and later on will be available as a final specification, you know, maybe a quarter from now. It's November now, so, you know, that would be early next year. I think the goal with the public review is to get input from a broader community and um, be able to improve what the solution is. What it does is it doesn't try to satisfy a description of how to do everything related to recovery. It tries to break up recovery into some fundamental primary elements. There's basically something that might become damaged or compromised that's mutable or can be changed. Maybe that's code or configuration. Either of those things could be tampered with uh, remotely or via vulnerability. And then um, there's another component that is the engine that will recover the piece that might become damaged. And then finally, you know, there's really a complex process enterprises use or manufacturers in the consumer space use to identify when they think they need to do recovery activities on a device or some component. And that's something we've we kind of encapsulated into a, a separate thing. So we've got three basic pieces, uh, a resilience target, which is the thing that might need to be fixed, a resilience engine, which is the thing that does the fixing, and then a resilience authority, which is sort of the amalgamation of the manufacturer, the IT department, the owner's decision that servicing or fixing needs to happen and to really give the green light to start recovery actions. So with those three interactions or three big components that interact with each other, We've defined some other pieces that look at the technical aspects of how to do that recovery. And basically what we needed was a safe place to stand for the engine to do recovery. In this version, we have focused specifically on if you reset a subcomponent or a platform, the very early boot code that gets loaded and run before the thing that might have been tampered with is a safe place to do recovery actions. If you can give that an environment where whatever has been compromised can't interfere with it, you've really got this clean space early in boot by running first that's able to do those recovery actions without interference. And then the other challenge is how does that engine protect its storage and configuration? And then finally, how does it regain control? So those are the, the supporting building blocks we've been focused on in that overall paradigm of you know the resilience target, the resilience engine, and the resilience authority. Fantastic. And, and just to touch on that uh, just a bit more before we look to move on. I mean, what impact are you hoping it's going to have on the industry? And I guess, you know, looking forward, how can organizations kind of get on board with the specification and look to benefit from it? I think it's going to provide a more systematic way to do resilience using hardware roots of trust, the trusted computing it provides, uh, using TPMs, using other technologies that evaluate the state of a device or a subcomponent during the boot process and being able to apply those in a language other people in the industry can talk about. So I, I think this will increase the standardization of resilience. 
I think there's still going to be a lot of variation in how resilience happens, but hopefully we've got some more fundamental pieces that, that let us talk about it as an industry and, and compare solutions and implement best practices. What sort of trends are you seeing that have driven you towards making these decisions and these kind of specifications? And what trends do you see going forward in the coming years too? I think two main trends that, that really drove a lot of the work in the, the work group has been the fact that you know IoT devices are, are here, they're going to increase as time goes on, and really nobody wants to manage their IoT device manually. It would be great if IoT devices could be managed at scale. And to do that, you really need to break out of the paradigm that the customer has to come to an IoT device, restart it, tell it to apply patches, or if it is infected, you know, remove it from service and, and discard it. Ideally, you know, using these building blocks in a low-cost way, IoT devices could be recovered and put back into a trusted state by the manufacturer or an IT department without having to go physically visit each one of those devices. And then the other thing that's really a trend in the industry is looking at not just the host platform, but if you think about a platform as really a collection of components that a manufacturer for a complex system may have put into the same box, each of those has its own manufacturer back in the supply chain. Each of those components in it, like a network card or a graphics card or a camera or a power supply, may have its own firmware and configuration information that's important to keep safe. You know, this specification kind of looks at how those individual components could implement resilience so, you know, the whole complex device could be more secure. It's not just that, you know, the host platform is an attack vector. Subcomponents within a host platform could also be an attack vector. And trying to kind of tighten down how secure those subcomponents are how to detect when they have problems is something that the specification could help with. Fantastic. And just touching on IoT there, Robin, looking at you know devices, do you expect cyber resiliency to play a more important role in the manufacturing of devices in the future? And I guess if so, why do you think it will do? And I guess the bigger question is why does it need to play a bigger, a more important role going forward with regards to IoT devices? I think some of the things I mentioned earlier that you know you just don't want to manage those things individually. The fact that you really want to have the cloud manage IoT devices at scale is important. I think there's also kind of this pipeline of things that happen in the ecosystem. First, specifications are developed or techniques are, are developed by companies and then they're specified as standards. And then those standards start to proliferate into the hardware platforms that manufacturers make. When that happens, it really becomes a lot lower cost and simpler for the producers of an end product to be able to provide better security or resilience. I think what we'd like to see from, from this specification is manufacturers think about how to incorporate some of the building blocks it defines into um, the, the low cost platforms they're making. If it's already in the silicon, it's something that's supported by hardware. It's so much easier to uh, have better security and be able to do recovery. If you've got some way to regain control for a, a recovery process to happen that's supported by the hardware, you know, an infection of software isn't able to, to prevent that from executing and, and regaining that control. A good example is the M specification that TCG has, Rev 159 added an aspect to it that's called the authenticated countdown timer. Basically, you know, early boot code could turn on this timer that once it reaches zero, 
would reset the platform and be able to start a recovery process if it was implemented that way. There's a bunch of mechanisms too that if the platform's still in a healthy state and it could check in with a service online, it may be able to get a ticket that lets it keep running so it doesn't need any interaction or any interruption for the user. So that those types of things, I think we're going to start to see more as building blocks in platforms. Ideally, you'll be able to look at IoT platforms and see, you know, this one supports cyber resilient building blocks from this specification in the TCG. It's going to take a couple of years to get there, but I think having defined what those building blocks are and then expanding them as time goes on is going to help that proliferate in the ecosystem. And then customers will finally see that in their end devices. Uh, after a, a lag of the industry implementing things, development environments supporting them, developers becoming familiar with how to use those techniques. Uh, all of those are great things for the industry, and it, it just takes time to be able to do those. Yeah, it all sounds positive, definitely. I mean, just kind of looking beyond the specification almost, do you have any developments or use cases that you anticipate following the publication of the specification? I think what you're going to see is companies are going to experiment with this specification. It's in public review now, so there's still an opportunity for feedback and input on it. You know, ideally, companies are going to put out examples of how they've used these building blocks, uh, maybe reference code, uh, just so others can replicate it. And then the other thing is the Cyber Resilient Technologies Workgroup is really an abstract workgroup. It didn't look at a specific platform type. I mean, I know we've talked about IoT and subcomponents of more complex devices like PCs or servers, but it's not a set of platform-specific requirements. So kind of taking these concepts that are defined in the specification and applying them in specific platforms and making normative requirements around those is something that could happen. So really, you know, a period of experimentation needs to happen so we can provide really good guidance in different contexts for how to use these technologies. I think that's a really exciting time for these types of specifications. I think the work group also has a lot broader slice of how to do resilience like other things that maybe not don't need to restart the platform to do recovery, that it can look at and think about how to make more standards uh, to, to provide guidance on. Fantastic stuff. And actually, just one last question uh, for me, Rob, is obviously you mentioning the times that we're in right now. I'm just interested with regards to obviously the work that the group's been doing and building the specification and the various factors that have gone into it. How has the circumstances of this year with regards to, you know, changing work norms and, you know, far more remote workers being the norm now, how has that kind of come into play? And has that been part of the discussion as well in building this? It hasn't influenced this so much just because the work group was kind of focused on a specific scope for the specification that stayed pretty constant over the last 18 months or so. At the same time, though, these technologies are more important than ever to have uh, in things people are using when they work from home. People don't think about their router or other simple devices that they plug in and use on their home network, but those are important to have be secure. And so um, if these technologies can be applied in that case, it could make working from home a lot safer. You know, I think we're going to see all kinds of security concerns that have better things to address them based on how everyone's style has changed. Just the fact everyone's online so much and so many important conversations are over meeting tools that are used on the internet. Those are all things that make it important that every device in that process that uses data that needs to be secure uh, has protections and can be recovered and managed in a way that keeps it safe from ongoing threats that emerge is really important. 
Yeah, I think Pete, you're right. I mean, you know, the cyber resiliency has been, you know, becoming more and more important over the last few years. But I think, yeah, obviously what's happened this year is just kind of reinforced that really. And there's no better time for organisations and businesses to be focusing on cyber resiliency as we head into next year when all the challenges that will no doubt come along as well. So Rob, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Fantastic to speak to you and really great to learn all about the uh, specification there that the group's been working on. Uh, so yeah, thanks very much for being here with us. It's been great to speak with you. And obviously a huge thank you to the Trusted Computing Group as well for the sponsorship of this episode. Fantastic working alongside you to, to bring this episode together. A big thank you to our listeners for uh, listening to the episode as well. Make sure that you do check out all our other great episodes which you can access on our website. We will be bringing our next episode to you uh, in an, around about a month's time so we look forward to you joining us for that one if you can. But without further ado, we'll wrap up for now and we will end the episode there. Thank you for listening to Into Security the Info Security Magazine podcast. You can find out more information on our news, articles and events at infosecuritymagazine.com.